Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Don McLean memorialized February 3rd, 1959 in his epic eight-minute history lesson as The Day the Music Died. The classic 1972 single is referencing the plane crash that killed musicians Buddy Holly, J.P. Richardson, better known by his performing name, The Big Bopper, and Richie Valens, along with the plane's pilot, Roger Peterson. One member of Holly's band who did not make the flight went on to become a trailblazer in the country music genre as one of the original outlaws of the music scene. By the late 1950s, Waylon Jennings was among a group of West Texas musicians looking to work their way into the emerging intersection of music that had developed between country music and the adolescent rock and roll movement. Buddy Holly represented the mold to try and imitate, a boy from Lubbock, Texas who'd found stardom in the wake of Elvis Presley's debut and who'd captured America's heart with his distinct black-framed glasses as much as he had with his now classic tracks such as That'll Be The Day and Peggy Sue. Jennings' DJ job in Lubbock at station KLLL allowed him to grow close to Holly. In fact, the now famous rocker helped produce and even contributed guitar work to Jennings' first recordings, becoming an early champion for the blossoming musician. Despite this, even Jennings was completely blown away when Holly burst through the doors at the radio studios one day, thrust an electric guitar Jennings' way, and instructed... You have two weeks to learn to play that thing. Buddy Holly and his fledgling band called The Crickets had been booked to headline the Winter Dance Party Tour for early 1959. At the time, however, the Crickets portion of the band, well, didn't exactly exist. Holly was looking to recruit backup musicians, and Jennings fit the bill. So while Jennings listened to Holly's catalog of songs almost nonstop in an attempt to absorb the techniques and skills for his first major gig, Holly went on to hire Tommy Alsup for another guitar position and Carl Goose Bunch for the drums. Sponsored and set up by Irving Fields' General Artist Corporation, the Winter Dance Party was set to feature J.P. the Big Bopper Richardson, the 17-year-old Richie Valens, and doo-wop up-and-comers Dion and the Belmonts. Also set to perform was a lesser-known New York City singer by the name of Frankie Sardo. These were smaller shows for the time in comparison to the more established, more recognizable Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Together, though, this group of musicians was set to traverse the upper Midwest from late January to mid-February and provide entertainment relief to the historically frigid Plains states. While the tour was especially appealing to the ever-expanding teeny boppers in the Midwest, it was hardly a party for the musicians themselves. They spent most of their days and nights crammed together on a frigid bus that was known for breaking down. Motoring from one stage to the next, with little or no time off. Underscoring these circumstances, during their 300-plus mile overnight trip from Green Bay, Wisconsin, following their January 31st, 1959 show in Duluth, Minnesota, 
The tour bus broke down as temperatures dipped dangerously low. The bands burned newspapers on board in an attempt to stay warm before managing to flag down enough cars to drive them to safety in a nearby town. Goose Bunch was even taken to a local hospital to receive treatment for frostbitten feet. As a result of these conditions, and this breakdown in particular, Holly decided to charter a small airplane to cover another massive gap upcoming between gigs, this one spanning 400 miles between their February 2nd show in Clear Lake, Iowa, and the following day's performance in Moorhead, Minnesota. Waylon Jennings and fellow guitarist Tommy, Tommy Elsa agreed to toss in $36 a piece for a spot on the plane and a chance to arrive early, sleep in a hotel bed, and do some much-needed laundry. However, in between sets of their Clear Lake show, Richardson convinced Jennings to give up his spot on the plane. At more than 250 pounds, the big bopper could barely squeeze his way into a bus seat, and he was desperate for a good night's sleep because he was fighting about with the flu. Meanwhile, Richie Valens was pressuring Alsip to do the same thing, although the latter was not ready to give up his spot just yet. As a result, the two decided to flip a coin for the coveted seat, and Valens was able to acquire it from the stubborn guitarist. The last time Jennings remembered speaking with Buddy Holly, the frontman was joking with him about having to return to the tour bus. I hope your damn bus freezes up again, Holly was quoted as saying, with his large, charismatic grin. Jennings replied, well, I hope your old plane crashes. These words would haunt Jennings every day after. Later, in an interview with Country Music Television, he would say, God almighty, for years I thought I caused it. Their flight took off from nearby Mason City Airport at approximately 1 a.m. on February 3, 1959, but plummeted into a field only a few miles away. An investigation into the crash would later determine that a combination of poor weather, specifically snow and ice, and inexperience on the part of pilot Roger Peterson were the culprits. Buddy Holly, J.P. Richardson, Richie Valens, and Peterson were killed instantly. Jennings struggled mightily in the following days, in shock from the death of his good friend and mentor, especially considering his ominous parting words. He remained on tour for another two weeks before returning home to Texas with the intention of never playing music again. Jennings slipped into a deep depression made worse by addiction to alcohol and an overwhelming sense of grief and guilt. Fortunately for Jennings and the country music genre, Jennings would be able to pull himself out of it and return to the studio, becoming a symbol of the outlaw country brand in the 1970s with such hits as This Time and I'm a Rambling Man. In 2001, Jennings was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame, the whole time never forgetting the lessons that his dear departed friend Buddy Holly had instilled in him. Don't ever let people tell you you can't do something and never put limits on yourself, Jennings would say. A long, long time ago, I can still remember how the music used to make me smile, and I knew if I had my chance that I could make those people dance, and maybe they'd be happy for a while. This has been a Missing Chapter short your quick fix for one of history's forgotten stories in a busy world. Listen to more shorts as well as full-length episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast providers.